Welcome to the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. We're getting ready to have an old-fashioned line-on-line, precept-on-precept study of God's Word to search out those deeper truths and gain a greater understanding of the Bible. We would love for you to join us today as we dig in and learn what it is God would truly have us to know from His letter that He wrote to us. God bless you and welcome into this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study. I'm going to be taking off in Genesis chapter 14, verse 1 today. Now, we came to a place where Abram has gone through his first spell with Egypt and did his little sort of half-hearted lie about Sarai, his wife, being his sister, which is the truth. She was his half-sister. And then they came out of there. He came out very rich and... Now, him and Lot have split ways, and we're going to pick it up in this next, in this chapter, we're going to come into the war between Abram and a few kings to get Lot back, and Melchizedek. So, we'll ask for that clarity and understanding from our Father in Jesus' name. We'll pick it up in chapter 14 of Genesis, verse 1. And it came to pass in the days of Amphrael, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Cato-Leomer, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that these made war with Bera, king of Sodom, and Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, and Shemember, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, which is Zor. All these were joined together in the vale of Siddim, which is the Salt Sea. Now we know this today as the Dead Sea. Something about, in verse 1, these names that the kings in there, the Amphrael, Arioch, Elisar, Cato-Leomer, Elam, and Tidal. Now, in there are some tablets, historical tablets, that are called the Assyrian tablets. And each of these people are mentioned in these tablets. They're just different names. Amphrael was Kamurabi in the tablets. Arioch was Ariaku. Uh, Cato-Leomer was Kedor Lagumal. And title was Tugula. And it gives specific mention of these kings and the wars that they went through, including this one here. So not only does the Bible give an account of what's about to happen and these historical men, but it also there's also world history that backs this account up for all those that say, oh, well, you know, these names, we can't prove it and this and that. Well, the Assyrian tablets have it in there. So it's locked down by two sources, at least. <clears throat> Verse 4. Twelve years they served Cato-Leomer, in, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. And in the fourteenth year came Cato-Leomer, the king, or, and the kings that were with him, and smote the Raphims in the Ashroth, uh, in, in Ashroth Karnam, and the Zuzims in Ham, and the Emons in Sheva Kirithim. Now, there's something very important about these Raphims and, and the, each of these other tribes that are mentioned here. The Raphims were known as the giant tribes. And what you see here is the second influx of Satan's attempt to basically overthrow this genealogy from Adam to Christ. Now, we went into genealogies quite a bit in previous studies, but the thing about this is we'll see that this is around the land of Palestine and Israel of today, which during the Exodus was the promised land. 
And so Satan has got his little minions to come down, these fallen angels, which if you remember Genesis chapter 6, that's the whole reason for the flood was to get rid of these hybrid beings that came about, these Geber, the heroes of old. And now he's come through with a second influx, a second try to infiltrate this line and just cover up the land of of Canaan, basically, uh, the promised land, with these hybrids to keep the line from entering into that place, to try to overthrow them at that point. Uh, Verse 6, And the Horites in their mount, Seir, unto El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And they returned and came to El Misfat, which is Kadesh, and smote all the country of the Amalekites, and also the Amorites, that dwelt in Hazazan Tamar. And there went out of the uh, the king of Solomon, of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, the same as Zoar. And they joined battle with them in the vale of Siddim, with Cato Leomer, the king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, and Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Ariot, king of Eleazar, four kings with five. What that saying is that these five kings come up against these four to try to drive them on back. And the Vale of Siddim was full of slime pits. Now these slime pits, if you remember this slime that we talked about whenever they were building the temp- the uh, Tower of Babel. Yeah, the Tower of Babel. This slime is basically natural tar. And you can think of these slime pits as... If any of you are familiar with the uh, the La Brea tar pits in California, where it's just bubbling tar that's that's just come up out of the ground, that's what they're talking about here. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountain. And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. Now you got to remember at this point, Lot is in Sodom. So he's right here in the in the middle of all this. Verse 12. And they took Lot, Abram's brother's son, so his nephew, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods, and departed. Now that was a mistake. And there came out one that had escaped and told Abram, the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of memory, the Amorite, brother of Eschol, and brother of Anir. And these were confederate with Abram. So he he found him a spot and he made peace with the locals. Basically, is what's going on there. That's what that, that means. They're confederate with each other. They're good friends. They, they, it's all good. They're peaceful out there. And when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, this meaning his nephew, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Now, one thing here. Why would you have trained servants? This isn't just saying, oh, he grabbed his farmers and his herdsmen and they went out with pitchforks and went after these folks. Now, his trained servants. This is a small militia that he has here that's headed out to go rescue Lot. And the thing is, Abram has grown greatly at this time. And basically, he's got a small city going. You've got 318 trained men, trained fighters that are ready to go well, then that's not counting elderly. That's not counting women or children. There is a, 
quite a uh, a good sized little city, a little town that he's having here. So you've got to have somebody, a little militia or a little force that's ready to guard your town. And that's what he's got here. <clears throat> the interesting thing about the, the number 318, it is a multiple of six. And six in biblical numerics is the number of a man. So you've got these men fixing to go out here and put a whooping on these guys. Verse 15, and he divided himself and he divided himself against them, he and his servants, by night, and smote them and pursued them unto Hobah, which is on the left hand of Damascus. Now they've gone quite a ways here. But one thing he did is divided himself, and they snuck around and they hit him on two fronts. So they divide and conquer, basically, is what, what they took what, what happened here. Verse 16. And he brought back all the goods, and also brought again his brother Lot, his nephew, and his goods, and the women also, and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Cataliomer, and of the kings that were with him at the valley of Sheva, which is the king's dale. Now, it's interesting that you've got five kings and their people that went up against these four, and they ran off. But you've got Abram here that's got the promises and blessings of God that went out with 318 men and slaughtered them. It says the slaughter of Cataliomer. That right there lets you know that you and God, if God's on your side, you've got nothing to worry about. He will see you through it. Verse 18, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest, or was the priest, of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Now this he gave him, this is Abram gave Melchizedek tithes of all. A lot of people wonder who Melchizedek is. They'll say, well, he just he was a priest that showed up after the after the war and this and that. Well, you know, Abram had his own altar. Abram had spoken with God. So who is this Melchizedek that would show up and Abram would tithe to him, even though he had his own altar to tithe straight to God? He could he could sacrifice directly. So who was he? We can flip over to John chapter 8 in the New Testament. This is going to be Christ speaking. And it gives us a clue as to who this Melchizedek was. John chapter 8. And we're going to go to verse 56. Now to kind of set the scene up here, what's going on is that the, the, the Pharisees, the priests are out here and they're kind of trying to argue with Christ about they're saying that that Jesus is, you know, he, he's not of God and this and that. And, and Christ told them, well, if you were of, of my father, you would do my father's deeds, but you're not. You're of your father who was the devil, who was the first murderer, which just put hits the nail on the head. The first murderer is Cain. And if you remember from several lectures ago or studies, we went over that there's a word that's used a very few times, but if you catch it, you can understand that Kenites, K-E-N-I-T-E-S, 
in the Strong's Concordance is the Hebrew word with the number, if I remember right, 7017, 7017. And it's a form of the word, or it's a, uh, derived from the word 7014, and it's Cain, and that is basically children of Cain, or Cain's posterity. And so what he's saying is that, you know, you're not of Abraham, you're of Cain, you're of this other line that that has just snuck through and, and infiltrated whenever you get in First Chronicles chapter 2, verse 55, you see that there are scribes or, or Nethanim, they are given to service to the Levites, and they were the Kenites. So as far back as First Chronicles, they had worked their way into being able to kind of have their hands within the Levitical priesthood. Um, so anyway, we pick it up there where they're kind of arguing, arguing well, with Christ. So verse 56, your father Abraham, this is Christ speaking to them, you know, just kind of saying, all right, well, naturally Abraham, just as Eve's the mother of all living, Abraham is, you know, a blessing to all nations because through him would come Christ. So your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old. Hast thou seen Abraham? Verse 58. Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Now that I am right there. If you remember back when Moses was on the mount and he was talking with God before he went into Egypt, before he went back to Egypt, and God said, You go down there and you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. It's time. And Moses said, Well, you know, who they're going to think I'm crazy. Who am I going to say sent me? And he said, You tell them, I am that I am. Ia asha ia. And that's where we get the foundation of Yah from Yahweh, our Father's name. And that's what he's calling out here. He's giving reference to that sacred name. Before Abraham was, I am. I am that I am. Verse 59, they took up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now they were just talking to Christ, and they picked up stones to throw at him. So naturally, most likely somebody, someone there didn't take their eyes off of him, but he hid himself. This isn't saying he just put a uh, a hoodie on, or a, whatever you call it, a cloak over his face and ease out and just walk through the middle of them and they just were going, oh, wonder where he went. This was a miraculous disguise because he didn't just duck out and run off. It was he hid himself and went out of the temple going through the midst of them. He walked right through the middle of them and they didn't know who he was. He allowed that confusion, those scales to be placed on their eyes. All right, so Paul gives us a great explanation of who Melchizedek was in Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to move over to there. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. Hebrews is right over here, just before James, and just after uh, Philemon. All right, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abram, Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. 
Now, that's what we just, where we just left off in Genesis. Verse 2, To whom also Abram gave a tenth part of all, first being, by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now, where did, where did Paul get this king of righteousness from? Melchizedek, whenever you break it down in the Hebrew, is actually two words. It's Melka, and that's king, and Zedek, which is from the word Zadok, which is righteousness. So Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And then he was the prince of Salem, and Salem means peace. King of righteousness, prince of peace. Well, who is our king of righteousness and prince of peace? Is Christ. We know this. It's, our, it, it's God in the form of our Savior. Verse 3. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Now there, he gave the answer. This king just miraculously showed up. Abram offered tithes to him, and then he left. He blessed Abram, and then he left. So who would this have been? This was Christ. And men will say, well, that don't make any sense. Well, Christ said it in John chapter 8 that we just read, that before Abram was, he was there. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if you remember back to Genesis chapter 1, Along about verse 26, 27, God said, Let us create man in our image. In the image of him created he them. Or excuse me, in the image of him created he him. And at that point, God created himself in a form that can be seen in this dimension. That's why Adam and Eve could walk and talk with God. That's why when you see many times in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord came, which is that figure, that, that branch of the Trinity that can be seen by flesh eyes in this dimension. And many times the angel of the Lord came to Abram and spoke with him. Not too far from where we're at right now, they're going to come down, the, uh, the Lord and two angels, and basically have dinner with Abram. And then they're going to go into Sodom and Gomorrah and basically justify it. All right, so verse 4. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. As I said before, Abram had his own altar. He could sacrifice directly to God. But he gave a tenth to this Melchizedek. Verse 5. And verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who receive the office of the priesthood, have a commandment, to take the tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they came out of the loins of Abram. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abram and blessed him that had the promises. What this is saying here is, yes, the Levites did receive tithes from the people. That's true. But they are of the seed of Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob was Israel. And Jacob was the father of the Levites. So through Abraham, even though they were still in his loins, he sacrificed to this Melchizedek who didn't have to sacrifice to anyone else. So what it's saying is this is the top 
highest man. This is, this is Christ is what it's saying. Verse 7, And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Meaning that Abram is the less, and he's blessed by Melchizedek. And here, men that die receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is written, of whom it is witnessed that he liveth. And as I, as I may say so, Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. Meaning when he was in Abraham's loins, just basically that family paid tithes through Abraham. Verse 10. For he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. There it got it said. If therefore perfection were by the, Le by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? So why is it that they didn't just continue on with the Levitical priesthood through the line of Aaron? Why did one outside of this priesthood have to rise up? Verse 12, For the priesthood being changed there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. Now this change in the law is, you can read it in Colossians. Colossians. And it's talking about the blood ordinances being nailed to the cross. Christ was that for one and all time blood sacrifice that we no longer have to sacrifice an animal because that would be sacrilegious. That would be saying that Christ wasn't as good as this animal out here, where he was much better. Verse 14, For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. Now this evidence comes through that Mary's father, Heli, was of the tribe of Judah. But in Luke chapter 1, whenever you do just a little, a little digging, you can find that Mary's cousin Elizabeth was married to a full-blood Levite. He, she, he was a Levitical priest. And to be able to marry a Levitical priest, you have to be a full-blood a flu, a full Levite. I'll get it out here in a minute. And she was a daughter of Aaron, meaning that her mom, not her, not her dad, but her mom, was a Levite, Mary's mom. That's why her and Elizabeth were first cousins. So Christ had the Levitical line, and he had the, the, the king line of Judah. That's why he is called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 15. And it is yet far more evident for, the, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. For he testifieth, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's Psalms 10, verse 4. Psalms 110, verse 4. Verse 18, For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and the unprofitableness thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. By that by the which we draw nigh unto God. So what it's saying is that in the law, 
every time that we sinned, we had to sacrifice. There was no repentance without sacrifice. For you see, sin brings death, and death must be substituted with blood. Now, Christ is that substitute. His blood covers us from death. And now, at this time, all we have to do is repent. Now, it has to be a true repentance. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm sorry, you know, whatever, and move on. It's got to be of the heart. You can't, God knows your heart. So you can't fool him and you can't just give him lip service. You, it's got to be real. Verse 20, And inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him, that said unto him, The Lord swear, and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly are many, were many priests, because they were not suffered to continue by the reason of death. But this man, because he continued ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Meaning, their priesthood was handed down from uh, generation to generation. His is never-ending. He was crucified, died, buried, and rose again. He was resurrected. Therefore, he has an ever and everlasting priesthood. Verse 25, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing him, seeing he ever liveth, to make intercession, intercession for them. Whomsoever will. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that whomsoever will believe upon him shall have everlasting life. 20, verse 26. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmly, uh, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the peoples. For this he did once when he did offer up himself. What this is saying is that he became flesh and he lived in this flesh body. But instead of living in this flesh body and allowing it to corrupt and allowing it to overpower his spirit, he did it perfectly. He set the example. And the priest before, those flesh priests, those who were not of Melchizedek, those who were not Christ, those who were not God, Emmanuel, God with us, they had to offer sacrifice for their sins because even they, every, as, as, as John would say, we all fall short. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God except Christ. And so he didn't have to sacrifice sin for himself, but he sacrificed himself for our sin. Verse 28, For the law maketh men high priests, which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the Son, who is consecrated forevermore. So that tells us right there that this Melchizedek, that many wonder and many... We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 14 that many wonder and many are confused about, and they say, well, it was this man or that man, or he was just a normal man. It pretty well spells it out that this Melchizedek was Christ. That's the only reason Abraham would have sacrificed to him. 
And we're going to go back to Genesis chapter 14 and pick it up in verse 21. And the king of Sodom said, said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. It means give me my citizens back and you go ahead and take the spoils of war. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lift my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich. What he's saying is, I've got the blessings of God. You see, I already, that I raised my hand, I, I, I lift my, up my hand unto the Lord, the Most High God. It means I, I gave my tenth part, and I made an oath. I'm not going to take anything from any man, because God is giving Abram his blessings. And he don't want this king to say, well, he got rich because of me. He wants it to be a witness that he is rich because of the blessings of God. Verse 23. Oh, excuse me, verse 24. Save only that which the young men have eaten and the portion of the men which went with me. Anar, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them take their portion. Basically, they fought hard. They led, you know, that's probably his leaders. And... He wanted them to be able to get a little something, you know, a little payment for volunteering to jump up and go. And also whatever they might have eaten on the way, because as I said, they had a pretty good run to catch them. But he himself didn't want a thing from this king so that that king could take credit for his success. In our next study, we'll get into verse, I mean, chapter 15 and get into the covenant of children and uh, all the, uh, and more blessings for Abraham, or Abram, which will soon be Abraham, father of many nations. God bless you, and have a great day. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Humans Under Grace Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, you can go to our website at www.humansundergrace.com and under the Contact Us page, submit your question. Also, you can write to us at Humans Under Grace, P.O. Box 1467. Tatum, Texas, 75691. Thank you, and God bless you.